Hello, this is Pastor Sam Velez, and I'm so glad that you're joining us for our service. We hope you enjoy this message today, that it blesses your life and your families. We love you. Acts chapter number 12, verses 1 through 13. The Bible says, About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. And when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But watch what verse 5 says. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed. Somebody said pray. Somebody say louder. Say pray. Some, somebody said a little bit louder. Say pray. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Verse 6, that night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fasting with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up! And the chains fell off of his wrist. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. But all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street. And then suddenly an angel, or then suddenly the angel left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door in the gate and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. I want to preach to you from the subject today. When the church prays, when the church prays, when the church prays, y'all may be seated today in, in, in the presence of the Lord. Up until Acts chapter, up until Acts chapter number thirteen, it's important that you understand this: the early church, up until this point, was living in revival. They were seeing lives be healed. They were seeing lives be changed. Miracles were breaking out left and right. Up until this point in Acts chapter number 13, the church was living in a revival. In Acts 2, the Holy Spirit came down and filled all the believers. And Peter preached the message that got 3,000 saved and added to the church that day. In Acts 3, Peter and John got a 
miracle for a man who was lame from birth. And again, the church grew. We're just counting men. The church was now at 5,000 people. In Acts 5, the Bible says that, that the apostles, they healed many. In Acts 6, many amazing miracles and signs were performed by Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power. In Acts 9, the conversion of Saul, a persecutor of the early church, it takes place. And again, the Bible says that the church grew in numbers. Up until Acts 13, the church is living in a revival. They are seeing people's lives be shaken. They are seeing the world be turned upside down by way of the good news of Jesus. But the Bible says that in Acts 13, King Herod decides to arrest James, an apostle. And the Bible says that Herod kills James. And this is what's fascinating about that. It wasn't that James was the first martyr because he wasn't. Actually, Stephen was the first martyr in Acts 7. But what is interesting and fascinating about James being martyred is that up until this point, the church has seen revival. And now they've seen the first apostle be killed. I could only imagine what could the early church have felt in this moment? Could they have felt fear? Oh my God, that was one of the closest that was to Jesus. If you remember correctly, Jesus kept three disciples close to him. John, Peter, and James. Now the church is seeing, wait a minute, you're telling me that the apostles are touchable? You're telling me that Herod was able to kill one of the ones that was closest to Jesus? And to make matters worse, the Bible says that after Herod killed James, he arrests Peter. Oh, just imagine what the church is thinking. Just imagine that they could possibly be living through a season of worry after going from miracle to miracle to miracle. And what I love about this text is that it talks about the aftermath. Listen, revivals are great. When Preacher Jay came, it was great. We're in revival. But what happens in the aftermath? What happens to a church in the aftermath, after a guest speaker, after all this stuff has taken place? What is it that happens in the aftermath? Because can I tell you, sometimes what happens in the aftermath is even more important than what happens in the revival. In the revival, anybody can worship. In the revival, anyone can invite people to church. Hey, come. There's a great guest speaker. Hey, come and listen. In the revival, anybody and everybody can be on fire for God. But in the aftermath, what happens? The Bible says that Peter is put in prison. And what's fascinating about that is that Peter's put in prison and he's put under watch with four squads of soldiers watching over him. I, I remember when, when I read that, I said, Lord, what is it about Peter? 
What is it about an ordinary fisherman that made Herod think, I got to put all these soldiers to keep him, to make sure that he stays in prison? Can I tell you what it was? It was because Herod knew that in Acts 5, Peter and the apostles had already been set free from another prison by an angel. And friend, I just came to encourage you of something. If God did it before, God can do it again. He's the God who can do it again. He's the God who if he set Peter free, he can set you free. If he gave Sarah a baby after not being able to have children, then maybe if you're bearing in this room tonight, God can give you a baby because he's the do it again God. That's who our God is. That's what makes our God different than every other God, every other person. He's the God who can do it again. If he was able to use Gideon to be able to lead an army, somebody from the least of the least, then God can use you. God can use me to be able to lead an army of children of God to turn the world upside down. I'm telling you, we're in revival and it's time we trust God to do it again. Peter, he's put in prison. He's put under four squads of soldiers because Herod deep down knew how valuable Peter was to God. Herod knew that if God had set them free in Acts 5, then God would do it again in Acts 13. Friend, what's fascinating to me is that sometimes the enemy has more faith in God than even the children of God. Listen, listen. It's fascinating to me. Herod knew that God would save Peter. Herod knew that God could save Peter. Herod knew that an angel was going to come and save him again. So he doubled it. He quadrupled the amount of soldiers that were watching Peter because he knew God could. Friend, my encouragement to you is this. What is it that you haven't been believing God for because you think it's too big, because you think it's too hard, because you think it's impossible? I came to encourage you, our God is the God of the impossible. He makes the impossible possible. He makes ways where there seems to be no ways. He heals bodies. He sets free. He still does that. He's that God. He's the do it again God. And what's fascinating is that in Acts 12, we see that Peter's put in prison, and instead of the church coming together in a house and singing depressing songs, or instead of in Acts 12, it's saying that, 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 that the church came together and said, well, let's just talk about the good old days. Well, you remember when Peter preached in Acts 2? Wow, that was an awesome sermon, right? 3,000 people got saved. Well, you remember that people were laying people out before Peter just so that his shadow could touch them and they could be healed. Wow, it was so great in those days. Friend, don't be the Christian that keeps on talking 
talking about the good old days. Be the type of child of God that believes that those were good old days, but great days are coming. Better days are coming. Bigger days are coming. Our future is bright and God is still on the throne. The Bible says that they didn't come together to worry. They didn't come together to gossip. They, they didn't come together to just have this negative uh, conversation around the table. No, the Bible says that they came together and they prayed earnestly for Peter. Oh, that's fascinating to me because the author of Acts is a man named Luke. If you study the Bible, Luke is the same man who wrote the gospel of Luke. And the word that Luke uses earnestly in Acts is the same Greek word that Luke used in the gospel of Luke when he was talking about the agonizing prayer of Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. Y'all remember that moment in the garden where Jesus is saying, Father, if it is your will, let this cup pass from me, but not my will. Let yours be done. He was in the garden crying out to God. He wasn't in the garden. Well, Father, if you know, if you're in heaven, hallowed be that name. You know, if you could really just save me. No, he was agonized. It was agonizing prayer. It was passionate prayer. It was desperate prayer. Listen, earnestly simply just means passionately. When was the last time you prayed passionately? When was the last time you stopped praying hopeless prayers and started praying passionate prayers? When was the last time you stopped praying careless prayers? Well, God, you know, if you could do it, that'd be great. But I mean, hey, you've given me the strength and well, you know, I, I, I guess I'll take care of it. No. When was the, the time where you started praying, Father, in the name of Jesus, be with my children. Set them free. Set them on a rock that they shall not be moved upon. Listen, if there's one thing I know about prayer is this. If in your prayer, your prayer doesn't move you, it won't move God. I know that to be true about prayer. And if your prayer can't even move you, don't ever expect it to move God. If your prayer can't cause you to, to like shed a few tears because you're that desperate, because you're that thirsty, like the Bible says, Jesus said, those who hunger and thirst, they will be filled. Not they might be filled, not they could be filled, they will be filled. When was the last time you prayed a passionate prayer? When was the last time you got on your face and said, God, if you don't come through, I'm not going to make it. When was the last time you said, God, if you don't lay your hand on this marriage, we're not going to make it. When was the last time you said, God, if you don't lay your hand on my business, we're not going to make it. When was the last time you got passionate about something in prayer? Because the Bible says that the early church, they prayed earnestly for Peter. They didn't say, well, you know, Peter was a good preacher. You know, we'll get another one. God will send somebody else. Well, you know, Peter, wow, you know, Peter was a cusser, but look at his testimony. Well, we'll get something. No, no, They prayed earnestly for Peter. Set him free, Lord. Send an angel and open up those gates and bring him back to us. 
Friend, if you know anything, if you could write down anything, if you could remember anything, remember this. A hurting world needs a praying church. A hurting world doesn't need a fearful church. It needs a praying church. A hurting world doesn't need a careless church. It needs a praying church. A hurting world doesn't need a wording church. It needs a praying church. It's crazy to me that most of the Christians that I talk to at conferences and cap and camps, they're always worrying. Well, you know, I just don't know. Before there's ever a problem, they worry. The problem hasn't even, they haven't even come close to the problem. Well, it could happen. Well, you know, there could be another pandemic. Well, you know, the economy could go bad again. Well, you know, I don't, you haven't even got there. How do you know? How about you start praying and saying, God, I'm unstoppable because I'm partnered with you. God, with you by my side, greater is he who is on the inside of me than he who's in the world. Hallelujah. The Bible says that, that they prayed earnestly for Peter earnestly. They prayed passionately. A hurting world needs that type of prayer warriors. I've been praying that in in my personal time. Prayer warriors is like an old school church term, right? We're all the prayer warriors that hallelujah, come on and get all the prayer warriors out here. But I feel like God wants to revive prayer warriors again. I feel like God wants to raise up an army of prayer warriors. People who won't let their, their, their modern English language come in the way of their miracle, but they're just burst out in tongues and declare that our God is mighty. He is great. He is able. He is willing. He's a healer. He's our redeemer and our redeemer lives. God is looking for a praying church. He's looking around the, around every state in America. He's looking around every country in the world. And he's not looking for a perfect church. He is looking for a praying church. When, when I was growing up, I remember I used to go to church services all the time. And they used to always pray for our city. And now that I look back on that, I'm saying, Lord, where did that go? What happened to those moments where we lifted up our city? Isn't that what God told the exiles through Jeremiah? Pray for your city and its welfare. Because if it does good, you'll do good. When was the last time we lifted up Laredo? When was the last time, if you're watching online from somewhere else, that you lifted up your city? God, I lift up San Antonio. God, I lift up Austin, Texas. I lift up Houston. I lift up Dallas. Father, let revival hit every area of America again. We need to get back to praying for our cities Praying for our families is great. Praying for our children is great. But if I could just be honest, you shouldn't need to be encouraged of that. You should just do that. Every morning, pray for your children. Every night, pray for your marriage. Every day, pray for your generations. But we got to pray for our city. Lord, do it in Laredo again. We want to be a hub of revival. We want to see people set free. The church, they prayed earnestly because they understood 
that although Herod had his prisons and their soldiers, the church had the power of prayer. Listen, listen. Even today, the world has its champions, its governments, but we still have the power of prayer. And prayer is a weapon that God has given us to bring down strongholds. When the church prays, four things happen. I want to give you four things that that happen when, when the church prays. Number one, when the church prays, angels go to work. The Bible says that the moment that the church started praying, that suddenly an angel came to Peter while he was asleep and said, get up. I find it fascinating because Peter being asleep showed how nonchalant this was to Peter. He wasn't worried in prison like, Lord, please, Lord, I got to get out of here. I got to go back home, Lord. I'm hungry. No, no. He was sleeping in the jail cell, taking a fat nap. Oh, well, I know God's going to do it. I know he will do it. Sometimes it's possible to be in such a dire situation that we believe the enemy. You got to worry. You got to be afraid. You got to do something about it in your own power. But learn something from, from, from the life of Peter. When he was in jail, a night before he was to be on trial, he was asleep. He was at rest. Friend, he was at peace. Friend, living in a place of peace is living in a place of power. I'm at peace knowing that God's in control. I don't know what the future holds, but I'm at peace knowing that God is in control. I don't know what's going to happen in the economy, but I'm at peace knowing that God is Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider. He is my source. I don't know what's going to happen in the schools, but I'm at peace knowing that God is in control of my children's life. I'm at peace. Peter was at peace. He didn't have to worry. He didn't have to make his own way out of the jail cell. But there was a church that prayed. And when the church prayed, an angel went to work and said, Peter, get up. Get up and follow me. That connotation, it's powerful. Because the Bible says that Peter, he started going, but he's thinking, am I asleep? What was it that made him go? It was because when that angel said, follow me, he remembered the words of Jesus that said, follow me, Peter, and I'll make you a fisher of men. Let go of the nets and follow me, and I'll do with you beyond what you could do with yourself. I've, I've learned this about God. The thing that he spoke to me years ago are the things that he'll speak to me years ahead to remind me of who he was when he first called me. He is still the God who calls ordinary people. He is still the God that calls natural people and puts his extra on their ordinary and makes them extraordinary. He's still the God that calls natural people and puts his super on their natural and makes them supernatural. He is still that God. That angel said, Peter, follow me. Get up and follow me. And Peter got up. But what made an angel show up? What made an angel show up was a church that was praying. 
friend, could it be that in here today, you have family members that are in jail, locked up by sin, locked up by bondage, locked up by their past. And the thing that they need is not you to have a church service with them at Thanksgiving. The thing that, that they need is you to pray. Lord, send a mighty angel where they are and bring them home. The Bible says that when the church prayed, suddenly an angel went to work. Four things happen when the church prays. Number one, angels go, go, go to work. Number two, when the church prays, chains are broken. Ah, I find that fascinating. Because it's fascinating that when the angel came to, to Peter, he said, Peter, get up. And then the fascinating thing is that the Bible says that the chains fell off. Wait, wait, wait. So, if I'm reading this correctly, the angel spoke and the chains fell off. You're telling me that the angel didn't need to touch the chains that were holding Peter back? Yes, that's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that the moment that the angel opened up its mouth and said, Peter, get up. Let's go. His chains fell off. Church, listen, when I say this, God's word sets people free. God's word can set the addict free. God's word can set the sinner free. God's word can set the drug dealer free. God's word can set a city that's been bound by sin. It can set it free. It's the word of God that sets people free. It's not my words. It's not, it's, it's not my suits. It's not this mic. It's the word. It's the word of God that sets people free. The Bible says that God honors his word even above his own name. The Bible says that, that there's one name that every knee shall bow, and it's the name of Jesus. But there's one thing greater than that name, and that's the very word of God. The Bible teaches that God's word sets people free. And what you need to be set free is not a program. It's not an accountability partner. What you need is God's word. Four things happen when the church prays. Angels go to work. People are set free. Number three, what's the third thing that happens when, when the church prays? Doors open up by themselves. Watch. Peter has his chains broken. Like the angel says, follow me, Peter. Starts following him. And as Peter is walking with him, he's wondering, man, am I asleep? Is this a dream? Is this really happening? Is this a vision? He keeps on following this angel. And as they're coming across some gates, the Bible says that the angel didn't do anything. Peter didn't do anything. But the doors opened up all by themselves. When the church prays, doors open up. When the church prays, God goes to work, sends angels, sets people free and gets doors to open up all by themselves. You see, in the natural, 
You think a degree is going to get doors to open up. But in the supernatural, what, what you need is the favor of God to get doors to open up. In the natural, you thought you needed a connection to get that contract. But what you really needed was an encounter with the Spirit of God. Not by might, nor by power, but by His Spirit. And doors will open up. You see, in the natural, you thought, well, I got to be connected with so-and-so to be able to go to so-and-so place. But can I just tell you something, friend? And this always encourages me. God's favor is not fair. He will give you vineyards you didn't plant. He will give you houses you didn't build. That's the God that we serve. You've been trying to work on overtime, trying to get humanity to do something for you, and you're not seeing anything come to pass. Can I tell you why? Because in your natural strength, it's not going to happen. In your natural strength, you'll never be able to do it. With your intellect, I don't care how many masters you have. I don't care how many doctorates you have. I don't care how much of student loans you got. There's one thing that can go beyond all that. That's the favor of the one true living God. And when it comes on your life, doors open up all by themselves. Come on and give God praise if you believe that. And receive that today that doors are opening up all by themselves it would have been kind of discouraging to read that then Peter comes to a gate angel leaves and Peter's like well what am I gonna do with this gate got no key I still think I'm asleep it would have been kind of discouraging to read Peter's like yawning like oh what am I gonna do with this gate right now but that wasn't what the Bible says. The Bible says that the angel led him. And the angel had the doors open up all by themselves. Friend, where God leads, he provides. Where God sends you to, he will open up the doors that need to be open so that you can be all that God has called you to be. You want to know why Peter had to have that door open? Because Peter was on a mission. He was still needing to preach in places. He was still needing to get people to believe that Jesus is alive. Friend, the reason you're still breathing right now is because your mission is not done yet. Your assignment is not done yet. You still have things to get done. You might think, well, you know, I'm 50. I got three kids. I'm close to retirement. When God says it's over, it's over. But because you're still breathing, baby, it's not over. Doors are about to open up all by themselves. Chains are about to break. Angels are about to go to work. Why? Because we're a praying church. And when we pray angels go to work. And when we pray, people are set free. And when we pray, doors open up all by themselves. 
Maybe you were going into Monday thinking, Lord, I got to have my whole structure, this whole presentation for, for this contract. Can I just encourage you? Do that work. Pray about it. Show up tomorrow well rested and let God do the rest. Doors are about to open up all by themselves. You all know why I preach this with such urgency and encouragement because I've seen it in my own life these past few weeks. I said, God, I haven't seen you do anything like you said you were going to do. So I'm going to move on and I'm going to do something else. And it's funny. I've been telling everybody. It's like if God heard that and said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you think you got this whole thing? No, no, no. I'm about to show you what it's really about. Doors have been opening up all by themselves. Why? Because God is faithful. He is able. He is mighty. He is great. And he is greatly to be praised. And what America needs is a praying church. Here's my prayer that I pray you, you would pray over America. Lord, like it was in the days of Billy Graham, let it be done again. Lord, like it was in the days of Lester Sumrall, let it be done again. Like it was in the days of Teal Osborne, Oral Roberts, let it be done in America again. Friend, we have to contend for revival. We have to stop waiting for it. And we have to contend for it. We have to fight for it. We have to pray for it. We have to believe for it. We have to speak it. Well, you know, the revival in Asbury, that's great. Hopefully God can do something like that here. No, what God did there is awesome. God's about to do a new thing here. And he's about to do it with me. God, move in my generation and do it with me. A hurting world needs a praying church. Four things happen when, when, when the church prays. Number one, angels go, go to work. Number two, people are set free. Number three, let, let me read it again. Doors open up all by themselves. And number four, people come home. When the church prays, four things happen. Four things happen when the church prays. Angels go to work. People are set free. Doors open up all by themselves and people come home. Could it be, friend, that maybe you're in here right now and without you even noticing, but you're really here because somebody's been praying for, for you. Could it be that maybe you're in here right now and you're really here because you've had a praying grandmother, a praying grandfather, a praying mother, a praying father, a praying brother, sister, Friend, the Bible teaches that when the church prayed, angels went to work in the prison that Peter was at. The Bible teaches that when the church prayed, Peter was set free. The Bible teaches that when the church prayed, the doors that Peter was needing to cross through opened up all by themselves. And then the Bible teaches that when the church prayed, Peter came to the exact house where the church was praying. Think about that. Peter did, did, didn't go to the wrong house. He knocked on the exact door that he knew somebody was praying at. Can I tell you that God is looking all over Laredo, 
hearing the prayers of his children, waiting to send somebody home to a house that's filled with prayer. That's why prayer on Tuesdays is so important because we're praying that God would send people home. We're praying that God would send people here to his house. Could it be that maybe you're in here right now this morning because you need to come home. You've been far from home. The Bible says that that prodigal son, he was out of his mind when he left home. How do I know that? Because it says that finally when the son came to his senses, he went back home. Could it be that you've been so out of it, living in sin, your, your perspective has been blinded by sin and brokenness. Maybe your heart is hurting. Friend, today come to your senses and come home. There's a church that's praying for you. There's a mom that's praying for you. There's a dad that's been praying for you. There's a pastor that has been praying for you. Come home. Make peace with God. Make peace with God and make heaven your home. Thank you so much for joining our service and for listening to us. We are located at 4519 East Del Mar Boulevard in Laredo, Texas. And we hope that you continue to be a part of our ICM family.